He is risen. Alleluia. Alleluia. Truly, He is risen. Happy Easter, everyone. Happy Easter. Thanks be to God. We made it. You did it. You got through Lent. Way to go. Yeah, you can give yourselves a round of applause. You made it through the desert. And on the other side of the desert is the promised land. On the other side of the desert is everything that he has promised to you. I think often we don't ask for the promises of God because we're afraid that we're not going to get the promises of God. Because sometimes it just seems like it's too far out there. The promises of God. What are the promises of God? Well, the scriptures are, are loaded with the promises of God. I will never abandon you, says the Lord. I will never forsake you. I will send you my Holy Spirit. He said that to his apostles before he died on the cross, before he rose from the dead. He promised it to them, and you are his apostle. You are his disciple. You have the name of Christian, and that means it belongs to you. That is his promise upon your life. Amen? Amen. And for you, the VIPs of this night, who have not yet received the fullness of the Spirit, that promise belongs to you. That promise is coming to you. He has promised it and it will happen. Not because we think it would be a nice thing for it to happen, but because of who he is. He says he is God and therefore he is either God or he is not. He's not, he's not somewhere in the middle. He can't be just a good moral teacher. He can't just be a nice guy. If he says he's God, he's either God or he's not. Otherwise, he's a crazy person. Like Monsignor. Yeah. <laughs> He's either that or he's a liar. Perhaps it's Jesus, he's lying to us. But it's if he is God, then what he says is true all the way through. Not a single word of his is false. So when he says, I'm going to die and then I'm going to rise, and we hear, well, I'm going to, I'm going to die, therefore, that's going to be really tough. Or we hear something, I remember being told in seminary, they, there's all these like, we do superstitious stuff in Catholicism, you know that? It kind of slips into our Catholic teaching. Yeah, so we have like rosaries, and sometimes rosaries, if the oils on your skin will kind of rub off the, the, the silver of the cross, and people would say, well, if it turns gold, it means your life is going to be blessed. And if it turns rose gold, it means your life is going to be full of suffering. And I'm like, well, what happens if it's both? It's like, well, then it's both. But, but it's, it's a superstitious thing. It's not true, because our lives will always have suffering, and our lives will always have blessing. Amen? Amen? Because that is the Christian life. It's the life that Christ has called us to. But if we focus on the suffering, then we forget about the promise of the resurrection, and we end up like the apostles, who show up at the tomb, and they're expecting to see death, because death has entered their hearts. How many of us live with death entering our hearts? What is the death that's entered your heart? What is it? Is it disbelief that Jesus is who he says he is, that God can do miracles, that he can actually heal you? That you've been given a word of death by the doctor who says you have five months to live, and you're like, well, this is it. i got to throw in the towel. And the Lord says, I give you ten years. But if you're going to listen to them, that's what your body's going to listen to. But if you start listening to the word of life, which says, not only in this life and in the next, I will give you glory, then whether it be five months or whether it be 10 years or 30 years, I experience the glory of Jesus Christ in my body, in my soul, 
in my spirit the things that he created because he is a God of life. Amen? Amen. Amen? He's a God of life. He loves life. Did you not hear Genesis? The ocean was teeming. What a great word. We don't use that word often. It was teeming with animals swimming about. The land was teeming. The grass was teeming. The trees teeming upon the land. The people teeming. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. That is the Lord's command. Be fruitful and multiply. Don't cut yourself off. Stop the contraception in the mind and in the body. Why? Because be fruitful and multiply life. Let life abound in you and through you. That is the type of God that you have. And if you say you are his children, you will follow suit. You will follow suit in your words, in your thoughts, and in your actions. Did you not hear that you have a God of life who saves you from the hand of Pharaoh? That as Pharaoh comes up behind you, he establishes a perimeter of protection around you so that in the nighttime, when he asks you to do something that seems a little absurd, and stick your hand out over the water, Moses, because I'm going to do something miraculous. Well, what about the people behind me? I'm going to create a, a wall of clouds so that they can't come any further. And he sticks his hand out, and all through the night, a wind rushes through and casts open the sea. And what happens? They're allowed to walk through with life. And death pursues them, and death is overtaken by the God of life. Amen? Amen. Pharaoh and all of his chariots and charioteers go crashing into the sea. Crash into the sea. You have a God who will walk you through what seems tumultuous to bring you to the promise that he has given to you so that you can see your enemies triumphed, not by your own hand. I was sharing recently with the family of faith that one of the, one of the defense mechanisms that I have in my life, which is something I created, something that I, I created when I was a child, was to prepare conversations in advance because I was afraid that I would get trapped in a conversation I wouldn't know how to get out. And so I would prepare, okay, if I'm going to see this person later, this is how I'm going to prepare myself so that if they say this, I'm going to say this. And if I say that, then they're going to say that. And if they said, whoo, hey, it's exhausting, huh? You're exhausted listening to me about that. I'm exhausted saying it because it's filled with death. When I create my own defense mechanisms, coping mechanisms, whatever you want to call them, they are good for a time because they keep me protected. Israel, they were, they were fine. They were kept protected for a while, relying, relying on their own strength. But when the Lord says, I want to free you, it caused them to be pulled from their defense mechanism, their coping mechanism, so that he leads them into the promised land. And what's crazy is he gets to the promised land and he says, I want to lead you in. And we don't rehear this in this story, but what happens is Moses sends in 12 spies to reconnoissure the land. Ten of them come back and they say, hey, yeah, we can't go in there. It's too big. Their people are too big. We're going to die. Caleb and Joshua say, this is the land that God has promised to us, so let's go in and take it. But the people listen to the ten. Majority rules, yeah? We listen to society. There's only a few people actually saying that Jesus could still physically heal people, miraculously heal people, 
mentally, emotionally heal people. So it's probably true that I should listen to everybody else rather than the people who are talking about Jesus. And what happens is when they listen to that, God says, because of your inability to receive my promise, I have to kill off an entire generation. So go into the desert for 40 years so that that generation dies off so that I can reinstill in you the understanding that I will provide for you at every moment, that I will give you manna in the day. Give us this day our right. Whatever your daily bread is, God wants to give it to you. He wants to fill you up. And when he made the apostles go out and give the wicker baskets of bread and fish to the people, there were 12 left over. And when he did it again, there were seven left over, which shows us that we have a God of abundance. That is not a God of, of, of scantity that says, I don't know if that's a word, is that a word, scantity? Scant? It's like little, whatever I'm trying to say, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> not a lot. We don't have a God who holds back. We have a God who gives freely and abundantly. He says, I, I have come that they would have life and have it in abundance. That's his promise. He speaks promises to his children because he's a good father. And there they show up. They show up. And their hearts are filled with stone, like in the book of Ezekiel. The Lord says, I want to take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's a promise. What are the promises God has spoken into your life? All of those? Yes, and more. Not just one, not just two. Start with Scripture. What are the promises He's spoken into your life? They show up into the tomb and their hearts are stoned because they have hardened heart because they live with death. Christ has died. We thought He was the Messiah. That's it. It's over. The word of death has come upon us and we have received it and we have eaten it and we have consumed it and it has now become part of us. And what does the angel say? Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has been raised. Why do you seek the living one among the dead? It's because I have let myself live in death. So I don't know where to look for him. I don't actually believe that heaven could be real here. I don't actually believe that I could live a life of constant joy, perpetual joy here on earth. I don't have that belief. I, I know I struggle with that. I struggle with believing the reality that Jesus wants to let me in on his gift, his secret, which isn't a secret because he gave it out to any person that has his name. That you can live in perpetual joy. That no matter the circumstance of your life, no matter the struggle of your life, no matter the, whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever darkness, whatever job issues, family issues, financial issues, dog issues, car issues, whatever issues, cat issues, sorry, I don't want to leave the cat lovers out, whatever issues, not only does he care about it, but he wants to give you joy in the midst of it. He wants the joy to be a vehicle by which you're driving by and you're like, wow, this is, a, this is a pretty big issue. But you know what? I remember a story about a people who had a pretty big issue. They came up to a sea. There were some bad people behind them. I don't know. Some priest was talking about it sometime. And then all of a sudden, God made a way. And they were triumphantly marching through, triumphantly marching through, singing a song about the triumph of God. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is about this. It's about the life of Jesus living in you. 
The promises of Jesus living in you. The promises of Jesus coming to fruition so that you can live in the freedom. I know, child, I'm almost done. I know, child. I know, I'm almost done. It's all right. No, like, like really, like, what is the resurrection of Jesus? But it's this, that we start to see the living one. And we don't look for him amongst the dead. We stop looking for, for life in our TikTok, in our Instagram, in our Facebook, in our Twitter feed. We stop looking for, for friendship that, 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 that the only type of friendship that, that I can get is, is the type that is abusive in conversation. That, that, that I'm looking for people to affirm me and what I say and how I act and how I look and, and all the things and I got to do things right. I'm looking for life, but I'm looking in death. And Jesus says, no more. No more, my children. I love you too much to leave you in your sin. I love you too much to leave you in your pit. And for those who are about to enter into the church through baptism and confirmation and Holy Communion, the Lord says, I love you too much to leave you where you were. I want to bring you to a new place. I loved you where you were, but I loved you too much to keep you there. And I want to bring you to a new place, an elevated place where you can experience my glory in ways that you've never experienced my glory, that you see new with eyes new and hearts new, that your life is new. And for those who have lived the Catholic faith and think it's a drudgery and think that this is it, and I just do the thing that I do on Sunday where I'm here and this is all I got, the Lord says, I have something for you too. I have refreshment. I have the water of life. He says to the woman at the well, she was at a well and she says, it's a deep well and you have no, no cup. And what does the Lord say? If you had asked me, I would have given you living water and it would have risen up to eternal life. That's a promise. I've given you five. You better start writing those down. Write them on your window and you go home today. Write them on your bathroom wall or your bathroom mirror and say, these are promises. Write them down when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's a promise that he's not the, he's not the death. That when you see death in your life and you say, why, God? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Somehow, some way, this is it. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life, says the Lord. That's a promise. Write it down. Read it day in and day out. Let it soak into your bones. Let it be written upon this, the, the foundation of your spirit so that when someone speaks to you words of death, and you say, well, I got the Lord of life watching over me, so I don't see it the same. We start to live differently and the kingdom of God becomes alive with the spirit. The kingdom of God no longer has a heart of stone, but the kingdom of God is a living kingdom, a people that he has chosen and set apart so that his kingdom be established on this earth, so that the glory of God may be manifested and then all the way to the promised land, to the place he's prepared for us, we sing the glory of God. He has robed himself in glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's robed himself in glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's robed himself in glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ, we love you, we praise you, we bless you, and we adore you. 
We ask forgiveness for the times that we have lived with stony hearts, hearts that have been filled with death rather than life. We give you permission on this day of your resurrection and all through this Easter season that we who have traversed the journey of Lent, whether we did it well or didn't do it well, we surrender it all to you and ask that the glory of the resurrection be greater than any pain or suffering or cross that we've ever endured and that you show yourself to us as the Lord of life, that the world may know the kingdom of God is at hand. We pray this, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen. Amen.